words we heard last week in our first lesson from Revelation 21, and the words we heard this week in our second lesson from Revelation 20, 20, or 22, they're fun words to listen to, aren't they? I mean, as they, they paint for us, as God paints for us this picture of, of what's waiting for us in heaven, right, where he, he talks about where there, there won't be any more mourning or crying or, or tears or pain or suffering, and, and, and the joys that we will have as children of God because we will be in God's presence, those are, are, are fun things to think about. They get the heart excited because, well, as we sit here on earth, we, we look forward to that day when some of the pain and suffering that we deal with here on earth will be gone. And we look at those things with joy and excitement because of what our Savior did for us, right? How, how God in his love saw our condition, he, he saw our world, he saw my sin, and sent his son, right? And, and Jesus comes and he, he crushes the devil, he, he forgives my sin, he washes away my guilt, all so that, as I read Revelation 21 and 22, my heart can get excited. Because those words I hear from John and ultimately from Jesus are words that are meant for me. They're words that Jesus is, is painting a, a picture for me about what's waiting for me. But before we get there, in fact, before we even get to the words that we're looking at today in, in Revelation 22, we have to take a few steps back. And maybe to help give you a, a picture in your mind, I brought something from my office. And sitting on my desk for a couple weeks, if you've happened to walk in, it's what's left of my desk chair. The piston that, that sticks in here broke. And I, I bought a new piston on Amazon, excited because well, I like fixing things. And you can probably begin to guess how well that turned out. I couldn't get it out. I gave it to Mike, figuring Mike has got a giant truck full of tools. He fixes big trucks. And Mike couldn't get it out. In fact, it, it, it came apart. And I thought, well, maybe what I can do is I'll, I'll, I'll cut it, and then I'll be able to get it out. And I, I cut it, and it, it didn't fix. I wasn't able to fix it. So what I'm left with is, well, this, which is... I suppose the way it looks, you could probably tie a rope to it and use it as a boat anchor. Because that's all about, it, about its worth, right? My guess is you've experienced the same thing, right? You knocked over a vase, right? And, 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 and you watched with eyes, and, and it was in slow motion. It falls off where it was and shatters into to pieces, and you know that it's broken, and that it's unfixable. And even if you try, right, you get the, the crazy glue out and you put the pieces back together, as you look at it, what are you still going to see? Cracks? Chips that, that just disappeared? Things that are, well, unfixable. Right, when I was a, a kid, my mom decided to buy for my sister one of those things that I assume women get excited about, right? She, she bought her these little precious moments dolls. 
And each one, she got one every year for her Christmas, it had the year of her age. And so they were displayed in the hallway by where our bedrooms were. And so there was, a, you know, a one, a two, and all the way up to nine or ten. I don't, I don't know what we were doing. I assume it was nothing rambunctious or exciting. But somehow, as I was in the hall, they, they fell off the shelf. And I looked down, and what I saw were broken, precious moments. And it was probably the one time in my life where I, I picked them up and actually went to my mother and said, I, I broke these. And you could see the look on her face of absolute, that, that I had broken something that was not only special to her, but special to my sister. The, the confusing part for me was, there weren't any pieces. Like, I, I picked them up off the ground and the, the, there were pieces clearly broken off, but there were no broken pieces on the ground because it turns out my dad had already knocked them off the shelf once or twice and was intending to replace them, just non, you know, where nobody would know. But they were broken. And you could see it, and no matter how much you glued or tried, they, were, they weren't going to go together as well as they had once been. It's something we're used to in life, isn't it? Where there are things that are broken and just unfixable, no matter how much we try. And even the things we're able to fix and put together a little bit aren't, don't always return to the way they were. With that picture in mind, I want to take you back even farther. Back to when there was a river that flowed and, and watered everything on earth. To a time in which God and his people walked and, and conversed and talked face to face. And in the middle of all that, there was a tree. A, a tree of life where God, what God intended was for his people to eat from the tree so that this perfect relationship that he had with his creatures would extend into eternity. Right, where they would be able to see each other face to face and, and grow and love each other. And all of that changed, didn't it? Because you know what happened. One day, Adam and Eve, tempted by the devil, doubted God's love. Right, they, they questioned God's goodness. They thought God was holding out on them in some way. They heard the devil's lies and they said, what I want is what, what God has. And in, in so many words, they were saying what they wanted was to be God. And sins that developed in their heart quickly took form in actions and they disobeyed God. And in that moment, something that was perfectly crafted, that was that was immaculate and, and perfect, broke. It was completely smashed. Right? And, and you see it in just how Adam and Eve handled this, right? They had broken it, and the way they tried to fix it was by quickly covering themselves because they were ashamed of, of what, who they were and, and what they had done. Right? They, they tried to cover what had just happened and how the world was now broken because when God comes, instead of coming to meet God and talk to him face to face like they were used to, what they did was, was they ran and hid. 
when they had the opportunity to talk to God about what they had done, the way they decided to cover their brokenness was instead to blame each other. And they even had the gall to blame God. You'd look and you'd say, things were broken. But it's a brokenness that you and I are all too familiar with, isn't it? I mean, we're familiar and we recognize that not only was Adam and Eve broken, but the world in which they lived was now broken. We experience that on a regular occurrence, on a regular basis. Right? We can look around us and see all the different ways that the world seems to be broken and not working just quite right. But we notice it not just in the world around us, but we notice it in our own lives. As you and I try to hide our own brokenness by, well, blaming others for things that we've done. By trying to excuse or ignore the realities of our brokenness by hiding them. Where we try to, to cover our brokenness. Well, by, by trying to convince ourselves that the things that God has told us really don't make us happy and what God would really want most from us is, is that we be happy. So I'm going to do things that make me happy, which leads me to ignore the realities that I'm broken. Right? We, we see it over and over again as this, this pile of guilt gets larger and larger in our life and no matter how much we try to ignore it, all it does is scream in our face, not only are things broken, but you're broken. Adam and Eve knew it. In fact, they, they knew it as they, they passed on that brokenness to their kids all the way to you and I. And, and what they began to realize is that the punishment that God declared for that brokenness was, was death. And so what he does is he sends an angel to guard the tree of life. And he kicks Adam and Eve out of this garden because the last thing he wanted for his people was to live in this state of brokenness forever. He didn't want them to go and eat from the tree of life and, and live broken forever. In fact, what he wanted for them is death because he didn't want them to live broken. And then, in a way that it, it defies what we would expect, he comes and he promises to Adam and Eve and all of Adam and Eve's children, including you and me, he gives them a promise. Right? He, he comes to them and he promises, one day, I'm going to undo the brokenness of sin and death and everything else that came as a result of your disobedience. And that's what he does. Right? Jesus comes... He sees our brokenness and in his perfection comes and lives in a, in a broken world and deals with broken people on a day-to-day -day basis. And he takes all of our brokenness and says, your brokenness is now mine. And he goes to the cross and is absolutely broken by sin and guilt. He takes all of the brokenness where we'd like to ignore and hide. He takes all of our brokenness and he's crushed by it on the cross. And the result of that brokenness ultimately is what God declared to Adam and Eve, right? Death. 
And so Jesus dies because Jesus is broken by sin. Your sin. And my sin. But he doesn't stay dead. Right? God's word tells us that three days after he dies, he he rises from the the grave and is alive. To show that he was the, the one that God had promised who was going to come and not only destroy the devil, but undo our brokenness. And so he comes to us and he says, I've forgiven you. I've paid for your sins. I've taken away your guilt. I have fixed your brokenness. In God's eyes now, you are are perfect and holy. Like we talked about last week, a saint. And then our Savior comes and he holds before our eyes this picture of what is waiting for his saints. Of what his saints will inherit because of what Jesus has done. Right? And, and listen, it, it harkens back and reminds us of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Right? He says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. If if the first thing that comes to mind in the Garden of Eden after creation is broken and sin enters the world is God's pronouncement of, of death and what we see and hear after that is Adam died. Adam's son dies. Adam's son dies. Adam's grandson dies. And over and over and over again, death, 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 death. All of a sudden, in this this place that God is preparing for his saints, there is an abundance of life. Right? You you have the water of of, of life flowing from the throne of, of God Almighty and of the Lamb. The Lamb who described himself as the living water to the Samaritan woman. Right? On either side of the river of life, there's trees of life. That's producing fruit for God's children to come and eat because they will spend with their God in heaven. If what marks this world is brokenness and death, what marks what's waiting for us is an abundance of life. Right? An abundance of life where God promises there will be no more curse. Right? The, the curse of, of sin and of brokenness is completely dealt with and taken away by our Savior. It's what we heard last week, right? That because of what Jesus has done, there will be no more death or pain or sorrow or suffering or tears because all of that curse is completely gone. Instead, he tells us we'll, we'll see our God face to face, just like Adam and Eve did. I suppose we begin to to get a, a glimpse of that, huh, at the transfiguration. Remember, Jesus goes up on the mountaintop with Peter, James, and John, and, and he reveals to them just a, a bit of his glory as, as true God. And what was, Peter, James, what was Peter, James, and John's reaction? Lord, it's, it's good for us to be here. They wanted to stay in the presence of God because it was, was good for them as children of God. If, if the opposite of that 
is hell, right? Hell being the, the eternal separation from God and his love. The, the flip side of that for believers is being able to spend an eternity in the presence of God face to face, just like God intended at the beginning. He says, there'll be no more curse. You'll see me face to face, and my name is, is written on your forehead. I mean, you hear these fantastic pictures in Revelation 21 and 22 and go, how do I know it's mine? How do I know that what, what John is describing here is really what is waiting for me? And our God tells us, doesn't he? He takes us back to our baptism, right? And at our baptism, water was put on us in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In essence, God was doing what? Putting his name on you and on me. He declared you to be his child. He washed away all of your sin. He took away your guilt. He claimed you as his own and said, what's waiting for you now as you live in the midst of this brokenness and as you deal with your own brokenness, what's waiting for you is me. And I've prepared this wonderful place where instead of having to deal with the brokenness of sin and, and live in a broken world, what you're going to have is perfection. What you're going to have and be able to experience is being able to be in my presence forever. Because I've undone the curse of sin. I've undone the curse of death. I've taken all of that away. And what's yours now is joy eternal. Man, for the, the believer, that, that gets the heart beating a bit quicker, doesn't it? It helps us through those difficult days where we have to deal with our own brokenness and the brokenness of others. It, it helps us in those days where we have to deal with a, a broken world to be reminded not only of what our Savior has done for us, but what's ours because our Savior has healed us and fixed us and forgiven us. What's waiting for us because, of, because our Savior has undone the curse of death. What's waiting? Life. Life with our God forever. Amen. Our Savior Lutheran Church is located on the south side of Birmingham off Highway 280. We are on Dunnett Valley Road, about three quarters of a mile east treetop family adventure and sports blast. Our Sunday services begin at 1015 with Sunday school and Bible class at 9 o'clock. We welcome visitors and hope to see you soon. For more information, please visit our website at OurSaviorBirmingham.com. Click on Sermons at the top of the page for a copy of today's service folder. You can also find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.